Hello, everyone. Welcome to Behind Massive Screens, a game development podcast here from Massive Entertainment in Malmo, Sweden. And for the second time, and planned permanently... So, so far. So far. Welcome to my dear co-host, Dory. Hey, everyone. It's a pleasure being back here. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to, well, continuing my reign and eventually having this as my own <laughs> solo podcast. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm looking for shark objects under the desk. I mean, you, you don't know. I've already muted your microphone. Oh. I've cropped your <laughs> God damn it. Never leave the editing to other people. Anyway, as you, we touched a little bit about in the last episode, you might have missed that. Uh, me and Dory used to work as in games journalism and games media, uh, both in front of, behind, both in front and behind, in your case, uh, the camera. Mm. And we would go to different events and uh, do a whole bunch of interviews every time. But there was one gang of people that we, it was best and probably most hilarious interviews we, we ever did. And became this nice, almost yearly tradi- tradition. Yeah, it was for, like for, this breath of fresh air in <laughs> uh, in a long line of stuffy game interviews. <laughs> long, just like pretentious game designers <laughs> and whatever we, we would meet. Sorry to all those people. Um, and those interviews always included this guy. Audio listeners can't see me waving towards him, but very welcome. Oh, yeah, this guy. And then I also need to make a sound, right? This yeah, guy, which is me. This, <laughs> this, that's your cue. Start talking. <laughs> okay. Welcome, Lau. Uh, thank you. So that is, and that is like, I don't know if it's 10 years ago or 15. It's like long time ago, right? We were young. We were young. We were young, all of us. Yeah, I think the first one is from 2010. That is, so that's 12 years oh, ago. That's 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're much older. You still look the same. I do. Happy and youthful. <laughs> Thanks. And now, lead game designer here at Massive Entertainment. Yes, yes. I, I wasn't back then. Uh, back then, I was uh, doing a bunch of different things, but uh, but I think primarily part of a thing we called Copenhagen Game Collective, yep. um, which is this, um, which was like a, kind of like a game art collective where we explored all sorts of... Um, weird weird games essentially and like uh, just wanted to do silly stuff with games um and i think i, I think the reason uh, you guys found us and interview, uh, interviewed us um in in these kind of like uh, weird setting, settings was that we often wanted to kind of like explore party games and like yeah. uh, physical games and and games where you you know touched each other or did awkward stuff with each other uh, so that often happened at like I don't know at uh, late night at events and in all sorts of situations in uh, at a Nordic game conference and all these places. Yeah. Uh, and we we just did a bunch of silly experiments and uh, and I think that was really fun. Yep. I mean the the one thing about those interviews and we'll get we'll get back to Copenhagen Game Collective and all those awkward situations that your games uh, can create um, was. They were always not just silly. There were always like treasures in them of knowledge <laughs> and ideas and inspiration, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to in today's episode as well. But it was more than just it was more than just silliness, even if it didn't include you doing push-ups at one point. Mm-hmm. You you took that very seriously, and and this shocked me as I was looking through them the other week. A <laughs> lot of cursing. Yeah. How, I, we got away with that back then. I don't think we could yeah, repeat what was said. Nordic game media. I mean, we, <laughs> like, we just it was, like, we it was yeah. dogma. Yeah. <laughs> Nordic game media with Danish developers yeah. and an Australian. Uh, yes, yes. Um, but anyway, let's go. Before, what, one thing we usually, we, we usually ask uh, our guests what it is they do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. like what a, what a lead game designer does i think we'll get in your case i think we'll get back to that mm-hmm. later but let's just put a little bit into context you went from this indie scene which again we will talk about later on mm-hmm. because it was a fascinating time and a lot of fascinating material came out of it um but how did you go from that to massive entertainment um yeah well uh oh good question um <laughs> so how well so i think i found myself we so where do I start? I guess let's just do the quick it's a story. Long story. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But like the, the quick story is that like I, you know, I I founded a company. You know, after doing all sorts of weird stuff, we founded a company. We did uh, some less weird stuff, but still kind of like weird stuff. 
and then I think th- what is it three four years ago I left the company and I took a long hard deep inside my soul and tried to figure out what am I what, what can I what am I you know what am I good at what, what can I even do right um and no I, I don't know but like I think essentially at that point I, I didn't really knew what I wanted to do with my career um and and I I kind of like And that, like, I also, like, for a long period, I, I worked in this kind of, like, you could say, independent games or, like, alternative games or, like, and almost anti-mainstream games. Uh, but I, like, slowly grew more and more kind of, like, um, interested in the idea of actually working on, you know, on bigger projects and, and on projects that uh, touched more people. Um, and and I think uh, all these kind of, like, borders of, like, doing, uh, you know, anti-mainstream and so on becomes, um, became almost more and more irrelevant. And I think uh, at some point I, I just kind of like saw that Massive were looking for for people and I, it was pretty easy to make an application. I just kind of like filled in a form and I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not sure I really want to do this. It's like almost the opposite of what I've been doing before. It's like hundreds and hundreds of people sitting in a big factory churning out games, right? Um, but I like made an application because I was curious and I wanted to kind of like talk with them and see what, what, what this is. Um, And they replied back and it's like, yeah, hey, we wanna we wanna chat. I was like, oh no, what am I what am I going into? Um so I had an interview, they seemed really cool, they seemed like they worked on something they really had a lot of passion for, and, and they worked on projects that were actually, I think, impactful and meaningful. Um also just more than almost more than entertainment, but not saying that entertainment is not important and, and meaningful right um but but i think they had a mission and and i think that was really interesting and, and touching um and i did a design test and i talked with more of them and and i think i kind of like you know slowly kind of like the idea of working for for a bigger studio like that uh became more and more kind of like interesting so i i joined the team and and it turned out that's the thing that that's a really interesting thing it, it turned out that that what you know how we're making games and, and and the type of people that are working here for instance aren't that different or they 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 are like almost exactly the same type of people that I was working with with before right it's almost the same type of like a uh, way we're working it's like it, it's it's not that different right. um, and uh, so so that was like um uh, I think a big revelation for me and and I think it was also interesting that I could use a lot of the things I've been doing before uh, in this now kind of like big machinery Um, and in the end, I think the the end result of what we're doing will be touching many, many more people. And and uh, in that sense, uh, it might be more uh, revolutionary or like more changing the world than than uh, what I was uh, maybe trying to do 10 years ago. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that kind of bleeds into one of the things that has always fascinated me in the game industry is because I, I've always had this kind of feeling that indies are what pushes the game industry forward like ideas that are explored in indie games where you know there are fewer voices or you can have a more distinct uh, vision and you have a, a quicker turnover in getting those ideas into a workable uh, project mm-hmm. that has always been like okay here's the blueprint and then a couple of years later you see the the same idea dressed in a triple a game but made bigger and in a way i feel like kind of your uh, career trajectory kind of mirrors that mm-hmm. evolution mm-hmm. In a way, because, I mean, you, wh- while in the Copenhagen Game Collective, for example, you you were making games that were kind of almost sending like the middle finger to games in a way, because it's like, we don't need our computer games to be <laughs> on the screen. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have games and then it happens to be, you know, a computer component. And it just, Yeah, I, I'm really fascinated in hearing more of of your perspective about indie games versus AAA mm-hmm. and like how the uh, the revolutionary ideas can be brought into a a more bigger produced mm. product. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think it's also like I think it's worth noting that that the picture today has become much more diverse and much more muddy in that sense. Like I think uh, when we did these interviews like 12 years ago and so on. And even like slightly before, like 15 years ago, that it was like it was really relevant to talk about you know 
mainstream AAA and independent game developments. And those two things were like very different, right? Um, and and there was this kind of like independent games movement that happened as a almost as a reaction to 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 mainstream games, right? It was like a a, a creative um, uh, kind of like um, a rebellion against uh, mainstream games, against publishers that uh, were like driving everything for uh, you know profit and uh, uh, working on uh, the same conservative ideas again and again, right? So I think at that point in time there was really this kind of like splendor in uh, in in the games industry uh, of a group of people that really tried to do new stuff and innovate. Um, but over the last ten years, I think that that picture has become much more diverse, right? Like I think. Um, you know, suddenly, you know, independent games almost became mainstream in that sense, right? And not that it, we it, we took over mainstream, but it's just just become normal, right? You know, now everybody, like all you know, gamers and so on, are playing these type of games. They're playing, you know, big blockbusters, and then they're playing a smaller game as well, right? Um, there's like now there's like a whole bunch of um, of publishers that are actually publishing independent games, which is like. You know, the whole thing we didn't want it to have <laughs> ten years ago was like, no, we don't want publishers. And I was like, yeah, well, we just there's like independent publishers that are like funding these kind of like small creative projects, um, and like even big things like um, you know Ubisoft or EA and so on are also publishing and even self developing these type of games. Um, uh, so 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 and that's like almost like you could say like the independent games movement almost um, kind of like. And and I think this is like a really a positive story that we don't really talk about. Like it, they they actually succeeded in that sense, right? They they changed the game industry uh, to something that I think is much much better, right? That we have um, a diversity in the type of experiences we can play, uh, the length of them, the the amount of money we want to uh, pay for them, and all these kind of things, right? Uh, and and it has opened up the industry for a lot of different inputs and a lot of different voices. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, but also, I mean, around the the same time that indies were were really taking off, I mean, you were seeing it was much easier to publish your games on Steam, for mm. example, mm. and a lot of the game engines became free to to download and try until you were yeah. starting to make profit. Then you know, you needed yeah. to to pay back, and 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 that of of course also helped a huge influx of of new voices within games that maybe wouldn't have been yeah, there before definitely so so it's like yes there there was some people uh, like it's it's obviously on, on multiple fronts something happened here right um, there were some people who wanted to do something crazy uh, then as you're saying technology uh, became much more approachable um for for making games there were like uh, game engines that were suddenly something you could get and play with um and uh, and platforms as well, right? Uh, so it was, you know, Steam became a big thing where it was like became significantly easier. You know, back in the days, you couldn't just publish a game on Steam, right? You had to had like you had to like almost send the copy to to Gabe and being like, oh, this is not good enough," and right, like that, that's not how it works today, right? Uh, and the same, and Steam was even an open platform, right? Then like Nintendo or like Microsoft and and, and Sony were uh, like impossible, or you had to make like be kind of like an improved developer and get the development kits and so on. It was a really hard process. Uh, but those things slowly opened up there. Like, what is that now? Like 15 years ago or something like that, right? With, yeah, with around the, the Wii U. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So so the eShop and the Wii U, but also Xbox Live Arcade, I think, was yeah, the yeah, thing, yeah. right? Uh, and then Sony's uh, thing became also a big thing. I can't Like all these kind of like eShops and so on. Um, and I think that what, I guess what they were actually looking at was, um, was the, you know the, the the smartphones and and the whole big business uh, kind of like uh, economy or like uh, ecosystem around smartphones and making super small uh, apps and, and and earning money from them right so so suddenly this whole you know the smartphone these kind of like platforms opening and technology all of these things kind of like made it possible um, for smaller teams to make games which is insane because it wasn't like that twenty years ago or twenty five years ago it was like that. I think forty years ago, right? Uh, you know that that was only like you know in in I guess in the eighties a game was made by more or less like three or four or five people, right? Um, or seventies maybe. Um, but like during the nineties and like uh, around kind of like uh, two thousand and so on, it, the 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 industry became this kind of like bigger and bigger and in- entities that only made uh, you know triple A games and so on. It becomes really hard for for um, like making games uh, wasn't something you could just pick up and do, right? 
Um, and I think that's uh, and I think that has been like as, as I said before, I think that is super positive uh, that now it like it has been like we've broken down these barriers in many different ways, right? I'm not saying I did it, um, <laughs> but uh, but um, uh, and and I think everybody now almost just takes that for granted, and I think that's uh, but I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and so would you say that um, that that revolution of, of indie games is? Well, you kind of touched on that. It's kind of bleeding into the AAA development yeah. because uh, it's, it's, I guess, easier to experiment a little bit and prototype mm. and and get your your crazy ideas and 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 voice into a, a AAA game. Yeah, yeah, and and I think and and I don't know if it's it's just massive. I don't think it is. But like I, I was imagining that when when I showed up here, like everybody would be playing like. Uh, Call of Duty or something like that, and I think you know Call of Duty is cool, and I I, I totally respect uh, the craftsmanship and what they're doing, right? But it's not like it's not what they're doing. Like everybody is around me are playing, um, you know, there's like Johan, he's playing Slay the Spire, which is this kind of like deck building roguelike kind of game, and there's uh, uh, other, like Scott, my other programmer, is, is playing uh, Noita, which is this kind of like wizard, weird, uh, like indie game where you're like, you can like generate all these kind of like elements and spells and so on. Um, and Linda next to me, the game designer, like she, I, I don't even know what she's playing, but it's like super weird stuff and so on, right? <laughs> so it's like, like everybody around me are just like playing these games and, uh, and being inspired by them. And we're looking over and be like, we're discussing, um, you know, Uh, progression system in Hades and 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 you know how how these cool uh, uh, skills and and what do they call them boons and so on like play together and and you can like mix and match these these things and so on so we're discussing this kind of stuff uh, subnautica whatever like all this kind of stuff is is uh, references for us obviously you know it's also references for us and like you know how they're doing weapons in in, in Call of Duty because they're doing them pretty good uh, and, and and if we were if we're working with weapons we want to look at those that are doing it pretty good right. Um, but but it's so it's so so there's like this big mix of um, of references we're looking at and uh, and are playing and enjoying uh, because you know we like these type of games as well, right? Stepping stepping back a, a little bit mm-hmm. uh, back into your your background because we we mentioned Copenhagen Game Collective mm-hmm. before. I'd like to just uh, hear a little bit more about how you ended up in games to begin with. Yeah, and why you ended up in um, organizations such as the Copenhagen Collect- Game Collective? Yes, and what it kind of was, what yeah, it yeah, embodied yeah. back yeah. then. Cool. Yes. Um, so, how did I end up in games? Um, I. It's hard to say. I think I. I've always made games. Like I. Like since I was, I think the first drawing I can remember I did was like a, it was like a board game of um, I. You played as a little fly, and you had to kind of. Like jump from water lily to water lily and there were like frogs and you had to kind of like roll a die and so on so so i like i've literally always met gamers i i i haven't really played like as a kid i just made games and hosted games for other people or like i was the one organizing like wh- how we were supposed to like make the rules for like you know now we're playing with these cars and it's like now well we have to do a, a i don't know a competition and they have to like crash into each other or whatever right it's so, like i i just like always did that and i still do it like when i you know with my kids and with my with my with my um, uh, nephews and so i'm like I'm, i'm i'm still like playing with them and hosting games and whatever right um and i think so so that has always been with me obviously i've had other interests as well <laughs> <laughs> so so i think when i when i grew up i was like well um and it wasn't that you know i didn't know anybody in the games industry uh, but but i think i've always when i when i kind of like saw a future for myself i think i It it often kind of like involved somehow working with games, um, and I um, so for instance I picked I I you know after I went to high school or gymnasium or whatever you're calling it in Denmark when I'm where I'm from, um, we um, you know after that I had to kind of like bit, uh, pick a education and I um, I took a bachelor in something that is called humanistic information science which is this kind of like a mix between. Um, you know, IT and humanistic studies, and like so, you're learning a bit of programming, and you're learning a bit of um, uh, learning theory, and all sorts of things. Uh, which is like, you know, it doesn't have an outcome, but like I was seeing it as like, well, it doesn't prevent me from working in games essentially. <laughs> so that was like, it was a way of like selecting things that, uh, um, uh, and like in in for instance in those courses, whenever we did something, uh, so we had to learn about databases, and like when we did it, when when we had to build databases, I I built a like. Essentially, like an unri- online role-play game, 
Uh, so you have to kind of like these kind of like do you know them? These kind of like turn-based games on, in a browser where you like click on things and stuff happens and so on. So like, I, j- I just builded games and I like, hacked all my all my <laughs> courses to make games essentially. Um, and then so I, there was a bachelor. Then I took a a master in games uh, at the IT University of Copenhagen, and that is a um, so that is a university that well they do a bunch of different IT things, but they have a dedicated game lines. Uh, so that was really cool. So now suddenly. I was in part of a crew with a lot of people that were interested in games, um, and uh, and that's actually around there where we where we uh, formed the game, Copenhagen Game Collective. Um, we did these kind of like all so we did all sorts of like weird prototypes and physical party games and so on. Uh, we did a erotic uh, written game. Uh, we used the the Wii modes, for instance, uh, to play with. Um, and you had to kind of like uh, get into a a zinc together and 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 find a, a nice written uh, towards a climax and these kind of things. Uh, and we did um, a, a kind of like a physical uh, party game where you almost had to kind of like it was called brutally unfair tactics. Totally okay now. And you had to kind of like wrestle each other like in in real life in order to push a button. Uh, and so 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 we worked on all these kind of like weird explorations. And and I think we figured out. So we were maybe a group of. I don't know, ten people, and we figured out, hey, make, let's make a, <laughs> let's make a banner, or let, let's call us, let's call ourselves something, uh, because then people can start talking about us. Um, <laughs> so, so that was, yeah, <laughs> worked on us, <laughs> yeah, <obviously>. exactly. <laughs> uh, so we called ourselves Copenhagen Game Collective, and then we got invited to like, uh, you know, festivals and conferences and so on, uh, and and we could like interviews, uh, and uh, interviews, and it's like, oh, it's those people from Copenhagen Game Collective. <laughs> um, so we we. We did that kind of like around, you know, while we studied and in and, and, and the years after. Um, and while we did that, we also slowly, so we, you know, slowly also, you could say matured or, or, or had to kind of like realize, well, we also need to kind of like earn money or like, you know, build a, maybe a, a, a career beyond being invited to a conference. Um, so these, like these group of people slowly formed into a number of game studios. Mm-hmm. Um uh one of them uh, so uh, was a studio i, I formed uh, with uh, with a few of the other uh, people from there uh, which we called uh, napnock games um so we released we worked on games for to begin with for nintendo uh, we did a game called um what is it called spin the bottle bumpy's party which is uh, this kind of like it's it was for the wii u and the cool thing about the wii u uh, like I was super excited about the Wii U because it exactly is, as you talked about, like you could turn off the TV and we could play together. We could sit, we could place the gamepad in front of us or between us, and then we could play a physical uh, party game together where the gamepad was kind of like facilitating the game, right? Um, so, so we did this kind of like spin the bottle game where we had to like do awkward, um, awkward things together as as dares almost. So you like spun a bottle, you got a partner, and then you had to do something like it wasn't like super awkward. It was just like. You know, slightly awkward. Yeah, well, like uh, semi awkward. It's like it wouldn't it wouldn't be awkward for children. Like that's the thing, right? But it would like be massively awkward for like uh, grown ups. So it's like uh, hug another person and jump together, uh, or um, or these kind of like you know stand behind you know back to back and then pass a Wii mode over your heads and then below your legs and then like but carefully because like it was a badger so you couldn't shake it because then it woke up and so on. Uh, so these kind of like weird challenges. Um, and so, and we did uh, a few other things. We did um, a uh, a game called Affordable Space Adventures, uh, in where you use the gamepad as this kind of like interface to a spaceship, um, and you could play it in, in couch co-op where you were like multiple, like one person was the pilot, another person was the engineer that controlled all the systems in the spaceship, and so on. Uh, so again, this kind of like exploration of like what is happening out out here in the living room, what can we do uh, with, with uh, of interesting stuff with the physical physical controllers. Um, so we did that, and 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 we slowly kind of like grew. Uh, we got an, uh, after that. We we got in contact with Sony, who wanted um, us to do. Um, uh, they had an, an initiative they called PlayLink, in where you had to kind of like uh, play games with uh, with your home, uh, with your phones. Um, so again, you know, uh, they wanted like some interesting, fun party games with new weird controllers, and and that was kind of like our thing <laughs> at that point <laughs> in time. Um, and we so we slowly grew, and we're actually like a semi pretty big uh, studio at that point in time. Um, uh, so so 
so that, that's kind of like that was kind of like the history. Now I went beyond Copenhagen Game Collective, but like that was the history yeah, yeah, of like yeah, my, my career. And then at that point, I was like, oh no, we're running out of money. Sony don't they want to make uh, new PlayStation Five games instead of silly party games for PlayStation Four? Um, so we were like slowly scaling down, and that was also kind of like the point where I left my old studio and we're like trying to figure out what I should do with my life. And that's where we yeah. came back to no, the, yes. how you ended up at Massacre. <laughs> I think we see, we, we're starting to see a theme here when it comes to controllers, and I really want to talk about that. I just want to say, I just want to return to one game yeah. you were talking about real quick. Uh, brutally Unfair Tactics, totally okay now. Yes, or, uh, or Button, as or the, uh, most button. of the world will know it. Yes. As one course during my university years, and this is going <laughs> to kind of tell you a lot about the quality of that education, but uh, <laughs> we did do a streaming project. And this was back in 2012 where streaming stuff was actually kind of tricky, mm-hmm. special different software, keys everywhere. It was Justin TV, maybe, I can't remember. But we did a special stream as the kind of the, the final, mm-hmm. not paper, but the final assignment of that particular course. We did mm-hmm. a button live stream. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and the wonderful thing with button is that it doesn't enforce any rules. No. Yeah. So it, it essentially what you have, you have four people, you have four controllers, and then the game tells you to do something. And it could be interact with those controllers. Like the, the, the person who presses A the most in this time frame mm. wins. Mm. You have to rush to the controllers and kind of mm. hammer. Or maybe just act like an elephant. Mm. This mm. is where the push-ups <laughs> in one yeah. of the old interviews came from. Uh, stuff like that. And what, what we were able to create with it, even if we'd taken out the live stream part, was you were able with Button, you were able to build something around it. Like mm. we had a, a wheel we would spin mm-hmm. for the person who lost. They had to do something like dress up like Scooby-Doo or put lemon juice in their eye or like <laughs> stupid stuff like that. And the Welcome game, to Jackass. It's kind of, that was my only, my, my two hours of Jackass moments. Um, but what the game, the game facilitated this stupid behavior yes. without it being on screen. It no, was a kind, it kind of gave you nice, license to mm, behave. License to yeah. be no, and, and, at school exactly. getting student loans for it. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and I think, yeah, I think that was it like, uh, I think that was the magical thing about it, right? Um, that you're like you're going up to something that looks like a video game, right? And the game tells you something. It tells you first, it tells you to like, you know, put down your controller. So everybody puts down their controller. Then the game tells you to like step five steps away from the TV, and then everybody does that. And then then you know, it it, it does a countdown. It's like three, two, one. But then it like pauses on one and it goes on forever or something like that. It like to be like we had to, like we we constantly kind of like just play with the players. Like what, yeah. one of the messages was like, okay, you know, step away from the computer. Then you know the the game tells you to close your eyes. Then everybody closed their eyes and then you were standing there like how how am I supposed to know when I'm supposed to open my eyes again? And, and like and in the end like so so people are like start starting to kind of like follow these instructions, but then slowly figuring out that you know this game is just playing with me, right? And yeah. and 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 you're getting into this this almost playful relationship with the computer of like you know okay let's 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 playfully break the rules together you know you yeah. could imagine that i'm holding you back and 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 or like i'm 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 jump starting and starting before you guys or whatever right um so you you but but so you're slowly starting to kind of like play playfully break rules together and playfully interact with each other in really weird ways right because the game is inviting you to that yeah. um but and still that and I th- like i think the magical thing is that you're not you know, it works, right? You're not, because like you're still, we all, we, you know, when we play, you know, when, when we play, uh, what, you know, when we play whatever, uh, uh, soccer uh, in, in, in the park, and there's no computer enforcing those rules either. But we, you know, we follow the rules because like the, the game is more fun if we like mostly follow the rules at least, right? So that kind of thing of like, it's actually interesting that, you know, we don't need all these layers of, of, of systems telling us what to do and not because like we, we all enjoy having fun. Like sure, you could play, you could play button in a very kind of like non-fun uh, way of just like I'll I'll just not move back when when the game tells me to, but that means that you will lose out on the fun, right? Yeah, um, because the game yeah. doesn't keep track of any scores, or it, mm. it, obviously impossible for some of the things that it, mm. it wants you to do. Mm. But but the game is just there as a facilitator, as you say, you build mm. up this relationship and it's kind of communication with the game. Yeah, it, mm. it takes uh, out takes the rule set and the monitoring of following mm. rules out of the game and mm. into the collective consciousness mm. of the mm. people mm. that are actually playing. And, mm. and uh, it kind of gives you license to play differently. Mm. I mean, like, there's a whole subset of, uh, a culture subset of people that play games, speedrunners. Mm. 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 
that yeah. are intentional, like, I don't care how the developer is telling me to play the game. I'm going to mm. do it this way and I'm going to do it yeah. faster. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I think that's fascinating. You, there, there's like a lot of other examples of like, you know, people playing, um, you know, Dark Souls in, 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 in like ways that are not, Yeah, on, you know, on a dance mat or yeah, with yeah, a toaster. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you're like, why are you doing that? Because it's fun, right? It's yeah. not, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to play the most optimal way to have fun. Like often actually the most optimal way of playing is like sometimes just drawing the fun yep. in, in many games, right? Yeah. How, how, but coming from, from button now, button, button, button controllers, these loose kind of rules. By the way, the name brutally, brutally unfair uh, tactics, totally okay now, also in itself creates this weird situation where... <laughs> Obviously, the game is not only telling me what to do, but also I'm obviously allowed to use brutally unfair tactics. Yeah, so the totally amount okay. of pushing and shoving <laughs> when you're trying to reach those buttons, uh, it's not pretty, but it's so much fun. <laughs> anyway, because um, you you touched upon it before, um, the controllers, mm -hmm. your relationship to controllers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm super fascinated by 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 controllers actually, um, and I think it's 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 uh, I'm fascinated because And I don't think people realize that, but like controllers really define what type of experiences uh, you can you can make as as a game developer, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least uh, it makes some experiences way easier than other experiences, right? You know, it's there's no, um, you know, it's it's not without reason that that um, that modern uh, gamepads have uh, triggers because like triggers makes it really fun to shoot stuff. Like it's it's just natural and it's it's nice and it feels good to shoot things uh, with with a gamepad. Uh, it's actually much more natural than it is with like a mouse and keyboard. I, I feel at least, obviously, you know, a big debate, right? <laughs> But like it, 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 it feels good, um, and that means that it's like it's it's just a natural, um, it's a natural thing to to fall back to and make like let's make stuff where you like you know use a trigger and, and aim at things. You know, wow, I wonder what that would be, right? Um, but uh, so so that's why like whenever <laughs> over the last you know 15 years, whenever some Uh, kind of like platform came out with a new controller, whether like it was like Wii modes or the gamepad or the 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 move controllers or like VR, whatever. Like I think all the time something like that comes out. I think it asks uh, kind of like a new question of like what type of what type of experiences can this thing do, right? Um, because all these suddenly opens up for like oh Kinect. Oh, I did <laughs> I did so many things with Kinect. <laughs> and, <it was> like, <laughs> and it was so interesting, right? But uh, you know, for uh, for a designer, I guess. Um <laughs> Um I, I don't, do people even know what Kinect is today? I don't know. They do <laughs> I, I guess some some people will We might uh, be dating ourselves by yeah. way, saying it kind of when Kinect came out, but yeah. Um but I think it's it's just so exciting because it just gives you this kind of like, you know, what 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 type of experience can I do, right? And you have all these pictures, and, and especially for Connect, you have all these pictures in mind of what you think it can do, and then apparently it can't do that, but it can do other things and so on, right? But it like it creates this kind of like um, I think I think that's what I'm really fascinated about uh, controllers um, is that that it it kind of like it sets it gives me it gives me a toolbox for like creating certain experiences, and I you know you can either try to fight that toolbox, and that's that's sometimes interesting, right? Uh, or you can play along with it and say like, well, this controller facilitate this kind of experiences, um, and I think even even I think even in 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 big kind of like mainstream games, um, although like often they are like, um, uh, you know, you're still tied to like so you know often like the more conservative controllers like a gamepad and so on, but still even just with a gamepad, I think. Um, mapping kind of like actions and interactions to different buttons still means something, right? It yeah. means something whether you're like, um, you're using the trigger to, to uh, you know, hug somebody or if you're using a, a button, right? Like those two things can like do, you know, give different experiences for me. Um, uh, so so like how I'm using a controller and, and, and the comfort of it, but also the experience of, of touching things and, and, and manipulating these objects really, um, I think really does something on a very kind of like low level, um, uh, so, so no. yeah. How, how, do, how working with people that have it, like creating these games, like the erotic game we talked before about before very briefly. Dark room, <laughs> dark room sex game. Yes. Uh, yes. Look it up. Wonderful. Very another, straightforward Another name. point for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at that or other games that you, you made like John Sebastian Joust and stuff. Um, how, what happens when you put these things into, is one thing to, to have a, You're fascinating by the controllers and what you can do and game you're a game designer and, and, and can have like philosophical discussions about controllers. But what happens 
the moment you put to somebody that might not be used to these kinds of experiences when, when you put the controls in their hand, let's say a Wiimote, for example. Yeah. So, oh, um, or a move mm, controller. Like. I think so. So I think it touches on another thing uh, and now it becomes also a bit geeky, right? Because I think that's, like we, <laughs> okay, that's what now, we're now it gets geeky. What, what is it, like half an hour in? No, but like, I'm glad. Um, Finally. So, Often we think about controllers as um, as input devices, right? Like yep. they are devices uh, that you use to kind of like uh, control a game with, right? You give inputs to the game. Uh, and I think in modern kind of like um, user experience uh, paradigms and so on, like I think this kind of like layer has to be as invisible as possible, right? You, you shouldn't be aware of you having a controller in your hand, like ideally, right? You should just be immersed in the game. Mm-hmm. And you should just be in there and like the game should like, you should just intuitively and naturally play the game. Like that's often a, a design paradigm. Um, but I think, and that's maybe true uh, or maybe valid, but I think uh, especially looking at, at, at weird and, and physical controllers, um, it's almost opposite. Like that controller is also a output device, right? That that controller is just, you know, and, and when I'm saying that, it means that I'm not, like, part of the experience is that, you know, me dancing or me shaking this thing or me, uh, you know, in, um, in, uh, in, Back in the day with like the Wii and you had like Mario Tennis, right? And you can just play it like this. But like every, like if you really wanted to enjoy it, you really played this tennis game as like you slammed the, the, the tennis ball with with with, with a racket, right? Um and that means like and that's because like part of the enjoyment of that game is just observing and and, and observing myself and, and and feeling motion and feeling that I'm moving, right? Uh, it's not just like it's it's <laughs> these kind of like uh, motion controllers and so on are actually terrible input devices, right? They're actually really bad at controlling games because they're imprecise and and they're terrible to work with and so on, right? But they are like great as like experiences and output devices. Like it gives me something. It's it's uh, it's like a, almost like a, like, so we have the visuals, we have the audio, but then I also have the motion of myself in, 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 in a room, right? Um, and I think that's, uh, that's something you, you, you rarely experience. And you can also see it on, on, on modern controllers, right? Like, you know, the haptics or the audio from the controller, whatever it is, like the, the, the adaptive trigger on the, on the PlayStation, all these things gives me like send signals back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, um, is like actually making the controller being like, you know, loud and, and, and noisy and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. Right. You know? Um, and, and, and I think that's a, so that's really exciting. And, and I think so, so to answer your question, um, it's okay. I've forgotten what the question no, was. No, no, right there's something about like what happens when you, when you give it to, especially kind of like non kind of like hardcore gamers, uh, they start expressing right they start mm-hmm. doing they start doing weird stuff right and they start doing they start dancing they start uh, experimenting with like what can i do and how can how can this thing right so so it's almost this you know you give them again you give them a permission and and allow them to to express themselves uh, in a in in a in, a, in uh, with motion right right um so i think that's often what happens in these kind of situations like it starts becoming like you start actually acting like that's also like i think you know playing these kind of games are super weird to do alone right because like you're just standing there and I'm like, why am I even doing this? Why am I not having a controller in my hand, right? But in, in a crowd and a party setting, it becomes meaningful, right? Because like suddenly there's like, there's people looking at you and you're like, it's it's like, uh, you know, suddenly you can actually express and it makes sense to act out and and, and have fun together, right? Um, so, so, yeah. So, so, so I think uh, these kind of like controllers like often give you opportunities and invite you to like act and, 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 and engage with like an audience or a crowd around you, right? Or other players, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And just on the topic of uh, a controller being an input device that you shouldn't be conscious of, I, I've i never really thought about it that much until I got a controller for my PC that has PlayStation buttons. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of games that have only Xbox input. So it says press X and mm. I'm like looking down the control. Oh yeah, that's actually the square. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and just... That little break mm. in uh, continuity, if mm. you will, is like, mm. oh yeah, I, I, I've taken it for granted so many times mm. where I pick up a controller and I'm mm. just pressing buttons mm. automatically to do yeah. actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's wild, right? What what these kind of like shifts can do uh, to you, and like how suddenly you're like, oh, I'm I'm sitting with a plastic thing in my hand, right? What is going on here, right? Um, so I'm out, so so I think it is totally valid, right? To to try to make it as invisible as possible um, and, and try to have players not kind of like having to spend kind of like mental energy on like uh, what is going on here, right? Like uh, just being immersed in the game, right? And it's like, that's also why, you know, you're often doing, you know, 
everybody's trying to do the same type of mapping of things, right? You know, it would be totally weird if you had to like move your character with your right stick and like look around with your left or whatever. Right? It would just be like, why are we even doing this? Like, why are you adding this kind of like uh, weirdness to uh, uh, to this experience, right? Yeah. Um, uh, un- unless that was like a part of what you want the player to be feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think you have, I think you have a certain amount of like weirdness budget uh, you can play around with and like you can try, you know, to a- allocate it on different things in your games. Um, but like if, if you go too weird, it just becomes like, you know, people can't even recognize this as a, a game or whatever, right? Um, so I think there's like, you know, there's definitely room for doing new things and be like, well, you know, wouldn't it be cool to use the controller and, I don't know, you know, right stick use the right left leg and left stick use the left leg and you go like this or whatever, right? Maybe maybe not for all experiences. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, uh, you mentioned it real briefly before, you just touched on VR, you just said the word oh, VR. Yeah. And if you say the word VR, <laughs> an experimental <laughs> controller, I guess we just have to talk about VR real quick. Yeah. And, and how, how would you, do you think that this, like with the controllers, and the kind of experiences that VR on top of that would um, offer. Or maybe we're moving away a little bit about what you said with people around you. No, no, well, VR is more a solitary To some extent, right? right? But I think, I, so we, <laughs> I did a prototype oh, <laughs> called, what was it called? Oh, it was like... Not the same theme as the n- one door. No, it was like <laughs> a hacking game. So we did a, like a, a, just for kind of like a play, you know, a game jam. We did a hacking VR game where like you put on your VR headset and then you could type in a, like a URL uh, of like a real website, and then we kind of like grab the <laughs> graphics from that website and like put it into like a three D world. So you can kind of like move. So it was like this kind of like nineties hacking fantasy. Uh, so you had to kind of like navigate a cool three D maze with the elements of the website uh, that we kind of like just scraped. And then the way you controlled the game was that you just slammed a keyboard <laughs> and you just like typed <laughs> bam, 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 and then you like pressed, I think you looked in that direction and then you like pressed space and then you like flew in that direction, right? <laughs> um, and I think, so that's part of, and I think that experience of, well is, uh, you know, that's also expressive, right? That's mm-hmm. also fun and it's part of like acting out a fantasy. Uh, of like, yeah, that's how you hack in the 90s, right? You're just slamming a keyboard really, really fast and like, you know, navigating a maze and so on, right? Um, so I think there's something still in, uh, in, in even in VR games, sorry, <clears throat> that I think can be expressive and can be um, um, uh, social, right? Uh, even in, in the same locations. I think uh, there are also like really awesome prototypes of like, you know, one game, one player being in VR, another player not being in VR, and having kind of like interplay between those players, right? Um, so, but back to your question of like, so mm. we are, I think, uh, so, uh, I th- okay, and now maybe I'm getting a bit uh, kind of like old and grumpy. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine <laughs> but i think if yeah you know so we have had like in 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 my kind of like career right we started out with the wii uh, and then with like playstation move and kinect uh, and vr and wh- wasn't there another thing i can't remember there's like there's been like this continue like continue continuous kind of like stream of uh, of trying to innovate which is like awesome and i'm jumping into all these things and i'm like yes <laughs> this is going to be the next thing right this is going to give me new ex- interesting experiences um but we're still sitting here with a gamepad in our hand right yeah. and not playing things on tv um uh, and i think uh and there are many reasons for that but i think part of it is that you Im- like maybe you even have like when when you when you think about the like when I think even everybody, like uh, game designers and uh, just normal people in the street, when they think about these technologies, they think they can do a lot of really cool stuff that they really can't do. Uh, so you have these kind of like massive hype for like this innovating uh, new experiences, but then you're just hitting the reality of like, wait, this is like, this is not how it's like actually working, right? So in VR, for instance, right, you, you, um, a lot of people imagine that stuff like, um, you know, first-person shooter or first-person games would be, like, awesome, right? Because, like, this, you know, you, you put the screen on your head and you look around and that's what you do in first-person shooter. You look around. Uh, but it, but you also move, right? And, that, and that's the other thing. And you can't really... Um, uh, movement in virtual reality is really, really hard and is, like, makes most people sick and so on, right? So, so, uh, so even, like, 
So that's like, you could say, almost first wave of these kind of games is like, yeah, let's make a first-person shooter in VR. And then you, you, know, you put the head on and you run around and you give you maybe a controller in your hand. But it feels really weird because like your body is not moving and you are, so most people will start puking or you will get sick after like 10 minutes at least. Um, it's also weird that you, you know, the, the, you know the, either you have a controller or you have these kind of like physical things in your hand, but it's like not really connected, right? What happens if you get to a wall and you touch it and you just like put your hand through it? And so all these things is like, um, like the, the dream you had about like, yeah, let's make first person VR games or like first person shooter VR games. Like that, that's like what everybody thinks would be like cool, but it's like, it doesn't work. Or like it, it's, it's, it's not actually a great experience. Yeah, I remember at, at E3, we tried a Resident Evil Village prototype in VR. Mm. And for that prototype, they had not removed the head bob. Mm-hmm. No. So, <laughs> you know, you're walking and all of a sudden your vision is like bopping yes, up and yes. down. And it was like, I think there was a line of game journalists out the door and puking right outside. This <laughs> yeah. is like the, the day was almost ruined. Yeah, yeah. The, the release version was fine. But yeah. it's like these, these lessons that need to be learned mm. when they are coming in the first wave of content mm-hmm. yeah. pu- puts off the first adopters. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. then it's really hard to kind of claw it back yeah. And, yeah. And, and convince them again. Yeah. And I think even, like, I think, for instance, for virtual reality, I think some of the stuff that really works is that, uh, you know, for instance, almost like third-person platformers where you have a static camera that you can sit and look at the scene and then you're, like, moving a character around here. Yeah, like like um, Mars. That was yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not, that's not the fantasy. No. Like, the fantasy is that you are, like, looking out of your eyes and, like, you are the person there running, right? Uh, yeah, so and, for, it's like, and for that, you need the Maunus gloves, you need the Omni-Track uh, yeah, board. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, and, it's, it's, and it's, I think it's actually the same with, like, all those technologies, right? There's, like, a fantasy in your head when you look at this kind of stuff. And, like, then making games for those kind of things is, like, suddenly you have to figure out if the Venn diagram of, like, the fantasies and what is realistic to actually do, if it even overlaps or if, they, of it, or if it doesn't, right? For the Kinect, it didn't. It was, like, you know, you had this imagination. <laughs> this is what I can do. And this is what you can do. And it's, like, there's, like, no overlap, right? Um, so, so, and I think the same thing for VR, right? I think we're still searching. Like, I th- they are, like, really good and fun experiences. Um but but I think we're still figuring out like where is where's actually that overlap of like my fantasy and uh, and what is a what what works well right yeah yeah I think this is one of those conversations. did you have yeah I I, I was just thinking I, I wanted to kind of bring it since we're getting yeah, to the hour here I mean I mean the boring no but I I want to try and bring it a little bit closer to like what you do here at massive oh, oh, uh, yes. and 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 uh, <laughs> oh 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 right, yeah right, right. no and I, and I, I there was something that you mentioned before about um controllers and and being mindful of which action you're putting on mm. which buttons mm-hmm. and that kind of the dichotomy between where you've come from in the past where it's mm. like oh you want to give agency to the player to to play how they want mm. but then having a designed experience that how you want them to feel when they're pressing buttons and also how that comes into customization and uh, accessibility, mm. for example. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, how much freedom do you want to give to people to remap mm. and, 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 mm. and stuff like that while retaining, mm. you know, well, your intended uh, feelings and purpose of, mm. of, you know, the controls? Yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think that's super interesting, actually. And I think um, it's also one of the things where, like, when... when uh, for instance, when joining a big studio like like Ubisoft, right, and, and Massive, they just have their their stuff together so much more than actually we did in 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 making indie games, right? Like th- there's just expectations, right? Like we do like these things should be like extremely approachable and extremely accessible. Uh, you should be able to like you know uh, always have a um, you know a, a, at least a mode of like you know flipping it to left handed, uh, you know a one hand uh, mode and so on and 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 also fully accessible controls and these kind of things, right? Um, and I think that um, so so I think that is super inspiring that the bar is just high to begin with. Um, it does create interesting questions, um, like and and um, because you could say like so what is what is accessibility, right? Like, is is um, uh, is 
difficulty settings uh, is is that a oh, no, now we, now we are opening up no, 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 this is a can of worms Stop. at no, 50 no. something minutes <laughs> in oh dear no no but like Oops. so so um, what have you done uh, uh, <laughs> but like um we're working on experiences that are like sometimes intentionally actually intentionally adding friction right intentionally making it hard right um or like at least making it uh, a challenge right um and i think you know it's it's just a daily kind of nah, not necessarily daily but like it's a continuous kind of like discussion of like well how do we you know do we just make this experience skippable uh, by uh, you know uh, or do we want to make it like super easy you know combat or whatever right you know should it be up to the player to just set these things um uh, or, or, or what is actually kind of like our, um, uh, what are our intentions, right? Uh, with these kind of things should, uh, should uh, yeah. And, and I think, um, because I think my approach, first of all, obviously, I think players should be allowed to ruin their own, ruin in, in their own experiences if they want, right? They should be allowed to, um, uh, as we talked about earlier, like take agency and control over their own um, experience right you know yeah somebody might i don't know uh do do um uh, speed runs or somebody might do play this in weird ways right uh, and they should for sure be enabled and even empowered to do that if they if they want to right um but then and i think my my own my other point to accessibility is that you it's things should also be intuitive and simple to pick up right it should be we should still strive for making um, something pleasant something that a um a non kind of like a, you know hardcore gamer should be able to pick up and play and actually enjoy right maybe they bounce into things where stuff is getting hard um but that's at least kind of like that's my approach here and I'm, but 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 i think they should everything should be intuitive and they should be able to understand what is going on yeah, right to, to be able to scale their own challenge mm, yeah. yeah um so i think but uh, but i think it's it's uh, you know i don't think there are like easy answers to these kind of things um uh, and um so, so it's it's a uh, yeah. In that sense, it's it's a it's a super interesting design question that we like we're we're really often really sitting with hmm. and discussing. I think we're sadly running out of time, but Lau, it's been fantastic to get to sit down with you mm -hmm. again. Uh, no push up this time. No, but I that let's do let's keep this going. <laughs> we'll see you in one year. Yes, and uh, then we'll do this again. Oh, for sure. Sounds good. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you again, Lau. Fantastic. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Yeah, thanks.